Welcome to www.findfocus.net. How to overcome internet addiction the ultimate guide for heavy internet users. The first thing most people do when left alone is browsing their social media feeds and checking the news. They are not asking how to overcome internet addiction. Instead 99% of what they look at when browsing the net will mean nothing to them after a few minutes. We all know that we are probably spending too much time online. But what almost no one understands about this topic is how to stop internet addiction. It's not using willpower and motivation that help you to overcome your bad online habits, it's delay discounting. That's a technique based on science that you can use to temporarily block certain websites even if you need the internet on a daily basis. Internet addiction is a complicated topic. Even Facebook admit that using their service might have negative consequences. It's time to go back to the basics and take a look at the science of addictive behavior. Afterwards you'll learn all about the tools and strategies like delay discounting that will help to stop wasting time online and develop better habits, long term. Why is it so hard to define internet addiction? Most research on this topic is not methodologically sound. This is due to the fact that studies lack big enough samples and are designed in very different ways. All this has led to inconsistencies across studies from various scientists. That's the main reason a standardized diagnosis of internet addiction disorder has not been discovered yet. If nobody seems to even get these basics down, it is not surprising the research quality still suffers. For something to be official, it has to be agreed on for diagnostic manuals, such as the ICD-11. For something to be recognized as a mental disorder in the U.S., that would be the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition the DSM-5. Research into this disorder began with exploratory surveys, which cannot establish causal relationships between specific behaviors and their cause. It does not surprise that problematic internet use disorder doesn't exist in any form in the DSM-5. Of course, researchers have an interest to promote their work widely since their entire career is based upon this. Therefore you'll find some big media companies who often don't have a clue, which go with the most outrageous, eye-catching headline a study with limited sample size produced. Internet addiction is no more an official thing today as it was when it was first introduced as a joke nearly two decades ago. Watch out for the symptoms of net addiction, don't take rely on internet addiction tests that means we, unfortunately, we cannot rely on research. If you think that internet addiction ruined your life, a classical test will not help. However, there is something else you can do. Take a look inside and be honest with yourself. Do you sometimes act and feel like something must be wrong? Is there any chance that you are addicted and downplay the consequences? Only because everyone around you is doing the same? To help you get started, you can look at these common symptoms that seem to be correlated with surfing too much. Even if there is no general consensus, there are a lot of warning signs to discover if internet addiction is real for you. Let's take a look at the signs and symptoms of internet addiction. Do you experience a few of them? The signs that you want to look for can occur both in the physical and emotional realm. Here is a list of possible emotional and physical symptoms that were published on Psychom that are related to your internet addiction problem. 
emotional signs of internet addiction depression dishonesty feelings of guilt anxiety feelings of euphoria when using the computer inability to prioritize or keep schedules isolation no sense of time defensiveness avoidance of work agitation mood swings fear loneliness boredom with routine tasks procrastination physical symptoms of internet addiction backache carpal tunnel syndrome of cause it does not mean that all the symptoms are connected or even caused by using your computer or smartphone too much. Another problematic indicator is the time and frequency you go online. How do you even know if you are surfing too much? Let's take a look at this common question that a lot of people ask themselves. Do I spend too much time online? This is another question that leads nowhere. Why? It does not help because the question if you are spending too much time online, can only be answered in context. It's definitely not a way to answer the question, how to know if you are addicted to the internet. The only way to know is to look at your personal situation. You need to view the time you spend online in relation to your current life situation. Time alone cannot be an indicator of being addicted or engaging in compulsive behavior. Time must be taken in context with other factors. In this day and age, the internet is a basic necessity to have a functional and normal social life. It depends on your occupation. It's a difference if you are a plumper doing physical work all day long or if you're a college student, PhD, student or writing a book that needs a lot of research. Why is the internet so addictive and why the benefits of technology do not outweigh its costs? Let's take a look at how internet addiction is formed and enhanced by companies like Facebook and Google, Snapchat, and their peers. To dive a bit deeper into this topic let's take a look at Silicon Valley. Don't be surprised that there are people teaching startups and other companies how to make people addicted. Of course, they don't call it this way. They call it habit forming. The most prominent expert on habit forming online products and services is Nir Io. He spent years in the video gaming and advertising industry where he learned and applied techniques to motivate and influence users. Basically what he does is to teach companies how to make their users addicted. That does not mean he's a bad guy. In fact, he has very good intentions and his talks on YouTube are worth watching. After all, he proposes a similar approach to deal with internet addiction as I do. He just does not like to call it an addiction. The core problem here is that he thinks that the opportunity cost of not using these technologies to improve people's lives is immeasurably high. That's a much more worrisome problem than the negative aspects of the technologies people generally worry about. That's the major flaw a lot of technology enthusiasts make. The opportunity cost of not realizing potential benefits are speculative, while the costs are already real. Of course. There is opportunity cost of not using these addictive technologies but at the same time, it's very probable that the bad consequences of technology addiction may outweigh potential benefits. That's because the traditional approach to risk management in business and our society has significant flaws as Nicholas Nassim Talim points out in his book Anti-Fragile. We are only able to see risks that we have already seen or can imagine. This can be labeled as managing risk through the rearview mirror, and does not address unexpected risks that may or may not outweigh the immeasurable high possibilities to improve people's lives. Of course, it's good if some software makes it easier to adopt healthy habits for some people. 
however, as Adam Alter noted in his book Irresistible. There is a fine line between behavioral addictions and helpful habits addictive lovers work by boosting motivation, so if your motivation is already high there's a good chance those lovers will compromise your well-being. In most cases, it's better to stay away from habit-forming software completely. The benefits are very often negligible. We all know that changing habits is never easy. The struggle is part of the journey to personal growth and well-being. The struggle will make you stronger longer term. Said a note I wrote about the long-term effects of helpful software here. Summary software might help in the short term but makes you stupid in the long term. How companies like Facebook and Snapchat are making you addicted, the hooked model. Online services like Facebook, YouTube and Snapchat and a lot of other tech companies use the hooked model to make you addicted to their service. For companies, there are a lot of benefits to this approach. When they attach internal triggers, their users show up without any external prompting. Instead of relying on expensive marketing, habit-forming companies link their services to the user's daily routines and emotions. A habit is at work when users feel a tad bored and instantly open Twitter. When you feel lonely or stressed you open Facebook without thinking about it. Near Isle answers the question pretty straightforward. How do products create habits? The answer they manufacture them. Today, Tech companies can profoundly change behavior by guiding users through a series of experiences he calls hooks. The more often users run through these hooks, the more likely they are to form habits. In other words, if you use these online services without awareness you are likely to form a behavioral addiction by design. The hook model typically consists of four phases. Trigger action variable reward investment the trigger. Triggers can be external or internal. External triggers are things like an email, notifications or an app icon. Imagine a friend is uploading a picture to Instagram. You see it and click on it. Over time you form internal triggers, which you attach to existing behaviors and emotions. When you start to cue your next behavior, this becomes a new habit really fast. The action. After being triggered by the trigger, you are asked to perform some kind of action. For you like the picture. Maybe you click on it and see the whole album of your friend's holiday. For companies to be successful they have to make it really easy for you to take an action and you need to have some kind of motivation to perform the action. Variable reward. Next comes the reward. You'll see more pictures of your friend. What distinguishes this addiction model from a typical feedback loop is the ability to create a craving. You won't form a behavioral addiction if the feedback loop is predictable and does not create desire. Instead, it's more like a gambling machine. You don't know what kind of pictures you see when you scroll down your feed. Many pictures, status updates, and ads may be boring but there are some rare gems that you really enjoy or hate. Investment The last phase of the addiction model requires you to do a bit of work. Maybe you leave a comment on the picture and don't know if your friend will reply or like your comment. Maybe you upload pictures to Instagram as well. Final thoughts. The goal isn't to eliminate all information sources and be shut off from the online world. It's not to throw out your smartphone or laptop. These tools are incredibly useful and powerful obviously, I make my living using them, 
and they have changed our lives in so many positive ways. The idea is simply not to be controlled by them, and to have a balanced life that includes other activities. Even if you do not implement this approach, figure out the important things you're going to get done every day. Maybe you want to use fine focus to block email and online distractions. Maybe you don't. It's still a good idea to turn off all notifications on your phone and your computer. Decide how often you need to check email and Facebook or other sites. Schedule times for using these tools on your computer. Don't use your mobile phone. Use the airplane mode more frequently and take back control of your life. Please visit our site to www.findfocus.net for more information on internet addiction self-help.